This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers and negotiating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips and with me is Whispering Jim Daly. Hello. Oh, that's weird. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello. That, that's really weird. That, that's <laughs> really a bit gollum, didn't you? <clears throat> that's really set a tone for the pod. That I, can only, <laughs> yeah. I can only apologise for and I'd like to reel back on as quickly as possible. Um, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all, actually. Not too bad at all. Uh, slightly warmer today, but still cold, still wintry. Um, are you dressing more appropriately then? Yes, I am, yeah. I've actually got the heater on today as well. And I've got, I don't know if you use... Oh, God. Uh, I've got a little light box. Do you use these? No. They're for, like, mood and stuff, They apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also figured it'd be quite good for a... Um, a heat, a heat source. <laughs> no, for a uh, like a ring light sort of thing as well. Oh, so okay. So that I look good. Although it's yeah, it's very light day. But um, yeah, it's got my little light box. So does it generate some heat then? No. Oh. But for, it's... For, for listeners, I put it up to my face. Didn't. No, I didn't. But does it, it obviously you, it generates the psychological it's feeling it's of mood. light? Yeah, 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 and making me feel more awake and stuff. But I do have a heater behind me as well, so um. Yeah, slightly, slightly better. Would you uh, say you're an SAD sufferer? Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Okay, yeah, really struggle with it. This day, it's almost like bang on first of September every year. It's uh. it's, it's, it's mad, really. So uh, yeah, I should have cracked this out much earlier, actually. Um, Can I make uh, another suggestion? Yeah, vitamin D supplements are very okay. useful in the winter months. Interesting. Uh, I think we do have some or. Yeah, I should be taking those. Yeah. yeah. It's a good shout. Yeah, daily. You need to take them daily, really. Jim yeah. Daily, daily. Jim Daily, daily. Uh, yes, I will definitely get onto that. Um, thank you. Good advice. Great advice. You know, start, right at the start of the pod. Yeah, well, I think it's good to start off with some advice. I mean, obviously, I'm not a uh, trained clinician or pharmacist, but I believe 
that vitamin D supplements are very useful um, in the winter months because of the lack of sunlight. And, you know, obviously if you're someone who suffers from um, seasonal uh, fish... Affective. Yeah. I, th- I think as well, uh, I think if... Also, if you're vegetarian, like I am, I think yes. iron, iron supplements as well are good because yeah. you might not be getting enough. I mean, you can iron. get like multivitamin type things that have got all these things in. Yeah, so I've started taking the um, the Wellman stuff. Wellman? Well, yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. Well, was it Wellman or Wellman? Well, yeah, Wellman. Mr. Wellman. The ones that have got David Gandhi on the front. Yeah. AKA Mr. Wellman, basically. Yeah. Is that is that, um, he's the Wellman man, is he? He's the Wellman man. Yeah, yeah. Wellman. <laughs> He's Mr. Well Man. Oh, is it Well Man? Is it M A N then? It's not Well Men. No, Well Man. M-A-N. Well, okay, Well Man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're good as well. So, so yeah. Yes, um, but again, like you've just said there, like Giles just said, absolutely, we are not clinicians. So, well, you can uh, tell by the banter that we're not. Tell <laughs> by the banter. Please do consult, you know, an actual doctor or whatever. And also, but, um, other supplementary yeah. um, brands are available, not quite, just well. But, um, but we can. <laughs> Well, we can talk from experience, don't we? I think that's fine to yeah. talk from experience. No, I, I, we, I think in the pandemic, um, Michelle got some vitamin Ds. I mean, we t- I've taken multivitamins anyway, but some extra vitamin D ones, because she's a bit of a, an SAD sufferer as well, and yeah. they did help. So I would think that's, uh, that's, that, that is one to recommend. Good, good, good. Okay, well, do you know what else we can recommend? Uh, mm. This week's guest. Oh, it was so good, wasn't it? Oh, my word. George Webster. He's an actor and he's a bloody, bloody good legend. He's an absolutely top Bloody good. He's a bloody good legend. That, went, that, that, <laughs> came, that came out of it rugby club, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, he's a bloody that. legend. You see him flying down the, the wing. He's a bloody good he's legend. He's a bloody good bloke. He is. Aussie, <laughs> Aussie, 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 yeah, he can hold his pint as well, you know. He's a bloody, he's a bloody legend. Um, <laughs> he's a really, really, really top bloke. Um, and he, he's a legend of seafood. He is. I know. Well, fair enough. Um, obviously, we you know we do lots of um, prep for these. We we both opened Wikipedia before the interview, uh, <laughs> and we I'd noticed that I I I'd, I'd noticed that he was born locally to me. So I thought, oh, that's good. So often you find some common ground that you can start the interview with. And uh, so I obviously talked to him about that. But it, then it turned out he is from Seaford. It's obviously for regular listeners will know that's where I live and have yeah. been living for my entire life. I think also looking, thinking, uh, actually, we know lots of the same people as well. So uh, it was something that came up quite a lot on the podcast. So apologies to <laughs> non-Seaford residents. But if there are any Seaford residents listening, um, this is a treat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seaford's such, just, I mean, it comes up a lot on the pod. It's like a real sort of hotbed of creativity and just a, a wonderful place it to live. Really oh, what is. Was, what's, what's that the tagline? Is that, that's, that's Hill Valley, isn't it? A wonderful place to live. Is that what the tagline is? Oh, I've got to Google that now. What, for Back to the Future? Back to the Future. Mm. A great place to live. A nice place to live. A nice place. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, um, we're the Hill Valley of, the, the, of, of Sussex. <laughs> Mate, we should work for the tourism board of Seaford because that's actually I, actually I haven't said that Hill Valley had a lot of problems in it. But I mean, aside from that, but ironically, we're, Jim, we're ironically, quite good at marketing. I, I know, I know. But ironically, I did once have an interview for a job at the Seaford Tourist Board, um, and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that blows everything out. Of the that, that's genuine. I mean that. I'm not just making that up. <laughs> well, that's what, what. But you're Mr. Seaford. Well, apparently not. That doesn't, well, apparently that doesn't count, being That's Mr. Seaford. Yeah. That is appalling. That is a real shame. A real shame. Yeah. Well, their loss. 
Exactly. I mean... <laughs> oh my God. I've never told anyone that before, but anyway, that is now common knowledge. So anyone from Seaford Seaford Tourist Board or Seaford Information... Fuck you. Tourist Information. <laughs> yeah, a big F you to you. <laughs> but to be fair, I'm now doing the thing that I love doing, so thanks. Well, which, you know, does come up on the pod, doesn't it? That this is podcast that would maybe up. not come about if I'd got the job at the Tourist Information <laughs> Centre. Because there's a bit, there's a bit where uh, George talks about, you know, maybe you try something and it isn't what you want, and then you end up doing something that you do want to do. So exactly, you know, exactly. There's truth in that journey, you know. So I think that's, I think that's lovely. Uh, but I do think we should crack on with the episode with George in a bit. Before we do that, um, we've got, but I say tweet. It's not tweet. We've got an Instagram review, haven't we? We've got a couple, and it's on the episode we did with Callie Beaton, the amazing Callie Beaton, and we talked yeah. a lot on that podcast about perimenopause, and it's really touched a lot of people, a lot of people green in touch. I've got one here from Nicola Michelle Pratt. She says, brilliant. Thank you so much. Menopause and the effects of it are debilitating in so many way- different ways. Thank you for covering it on the podcast, and a big thanks to Callie Beaton for talking about it so openly. And I've got one here from Liv Hutch One. He says, thank you for an amazing podcast, absolutely in the same position as Callie Beaton. And I've recently left a senior nursing role in the NHS. Perimenopause can be debilitating for some women, especially mental health and cognitive function. On the upside, I'm starting my own business now. Thanks for helping. Well, Liv, all the best of your new business. And thanks for getting in touch. And a big thanks, obviously, to Callie for, for raising that. Because, you know, we, as we said on that episode, as as two blokes, it's not really something that sort of would come into our sphere as much, which, which is a shame because it should do. So we were you know, delighted that she brought it up and we were able to um, give it some coverage. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a very important subject to talk about. And obviously, if you haven't listened to that episode, do go back and have a listen to Callie's episode. And um, she obviously talks very openly about it and also the kind of science around it and the kind of thing that's happening in society around um, perimenopause more so than the menopause itself, which is talked about quite openly, but a lot of people are not talking about or aware of the perimenopause, which is the sort of premenopause stage, and how, yeah, as our two listeners have said, how debilitating that can be. Absolutely. So do check that episode out because it is excellent. Um, before we crack on, a quick reminder that there is extra content with George this week and all our listeners at our Patreon, patreon.com slash blank podcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash blank podcast. So do check uh, that out if you want to hear more from George and all our guests every week on Blake. And also by signing up, it's £4 a month. Um, you also get the pods advert free. You get them 24 hours early than the public people. Um, and you are supporting the show as well, which, you know, we cannot thank you enough for. So uh, if you're enjoying the show, you want to be part of the sort of blank community and, and help have the show move forward and get all those perks, then uh, yeah, patreon.com slash blank podcast. Yeah. Right. This week's episode. Let's do it, Charles. What do you reckon? I think we should. Yeah, I think it would be lovely to do that. I agree. <laughs> uh, here we are. This is the one and only. Actually, absolutely bloody good bloke. Bloody oh, good. Oh, bloody, he's a bloody good bloke. Oh, he's man. a bloody good guy. Uh, it's the one and only George Webster on the Black Podcast. George, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for so much for giving us some time today. Um, now, I live in Seaford. Are you, are you local to me? Uh, Giles, I was local to you. You were? I grew, up, I grew up in Seaford and didn't leave it until two years ago when I was 28. I was oh, that, well, I've never garage. left. 
<laughs> well, so I'm already ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but why would you? It's no. such an amazing place. It is. It is. It's a beautiful place to live. Um, and now so I've got you've been kids there your entire more. life? I've been there, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm in my mid-40s. Um, and yeah, yeah never, never had the inclination to leave. So, um, but, so I didn't it's know you, because obviously I saw that you were born in Brighton. I was born in Brighton as well. But, you know, sometimes people put uh, they're born in Brighton because they don't necessarily want to say I'd live in Seaford. Um, well, Giles, there's a, there's some, here's a truth bomb for you. As somebody okay. who will understand the area. Yeah. I, I was born in Eastbourne, mate. Oh, I was born in Eastbourne. Oh. But that, people are constantly like, where's that? So then <laughs> yeah. you shift it to Brighton. You know, like whenever you meet anybody, I'm yeah. not from Seaford. I'm from a little town outside Brighton called yeah. Seaford. And they go, oh, yeah, I've heard of Brighton. You go, yeah, cool. We'll stay <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, yeah. It's much easier to reference Brighton. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, and Eastbourne people just think, oh, that's just like lots of old people. Old people. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, what a rejuvenation the place has got. What yeah. amazing content for your listeners. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> to be honest, mate, seafood comes up a lot on the podcast. Does it? Well, yeah. uh, Do you know, I, I, well, I love this place. And, you know, I was heading, I went and wandered into town this morning, had a coffee, and, you know, I just, and I have a little, I try and the, get my walk in in the mornings and always sort of include the, the seafront. So it's like, I, Charles I love is it basically, here. Charles is basically the tourism, the one man yeah, tourism yeah, the board one for seafront. Tourism. I love that. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to join the board. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, well, you're very welcome. We'll start it together. Although part of it, there's always this thing in seafood where people are like, don't tell anybody about it. Like, it's, yeah, we, don't yeah. want, we, we don't want everyone to come here and flock here. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. That's fair. That well, funny fair. enough, my, then, my friend owns a coffee shop around the corner from, the station and on Saturdays there's now because of the cook me a walk and the seven sisters it's loads and loads of people coming in off the train and like although he's running a business you can see he's always a bit pissed off <laughs> that is <laughs> bloody um, if yeah if that's not the most like British business <laughs> sentimentality you've ever heard yeah, yeah, yeah. can't believe I've got people I like it busy but not too busy yeah how dare mate <laughs> have a day off no that's great yeah I, I love seafood so much I really do it's like my parents are still there a lot of my all of my family is still there my I've still got friends there I'm back there pretty much every week when I come down I'm in London right now hmm. um, and it is it's, it's an amazing place to grow up and an amazing place to go back to as well I think I I think everybody does when you grow up in a place you sort of you don't see it for what it is you're just yeah. in in the middle of it and experiencing it. And then when you leave it and you travel around a bit more, you, you get the perspective. You go, actually, it's actually a brilliant place for the really lovely people. Everyone's just mucking in together. Um, my brother is the chairman of C for Town FC. Oh, okay. Um, oh, my yeah. God. That's Tom, cool. Why didn't Tom you mention that earlier? I know, right? I know. He's, um, to be fair to him as well, like... I like giving him stick, but he's done amazing things for the club and the town and... Um, He's really built a little community up there, which has been really, really nice to see and sort of hear about all that stuff from him all the time. I oh, still feel I like I've it. got a, a toe in Seaford somewhere. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, I've often walked through the uh, the Crouch Gardens and have a look at the, what's Amazing. going on. And yeah, don't get so many games, but I'd like to... I've, I keep saying that I'd like to go to more games, though, for Seaford because 
you know, it's great. It, like you say, to support your community, and it's obviously my town that I've been in all my life. And I, yeah, I, there's I, really no no excuse. Yeah. I mean, it's no, I know. it's awful of you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. I do feel guilty. Uh, I am uh, I am obsessed with non-league football, um, and not to the point where I go to many games like Charles, but I, I do find like the pyramid and stuff. So I'm now already googling. They're in Southern Combined Football League. Yeah, I, I, division. Like, I couldn't what? tell you what division they're in. To be <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> Level nine, I think, because my local team is Chesham. United and they're I think a few divisions above um, but I okay. go watch them sometimes they were they got they were on Twitter recent, last week, week uh, two weeks ago because the day after the Queen's funeral I think or the week off they had an FA Cup game and the only recording of the national anthem they had was an old one that said God save the Queen so the PA guy sang King over the top of the Queen <laughs> when it played and it, that was during a cup, an FA Cup game and it got uh, yeah it went viral on Twitter I think they lost the replay but uh, yeah non-league football is just oh my <laughs> it's god hilarious. it is brilliant yeah yeah, it is and it's, it's again for, for small communities and stuff for like that it's so important I think to have to have that in place for, for people to sort of gather around, have a have a meeting point at the weekend yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he loves it. That's let's great, go to, Let's go to a seat, Charles. Let's go to a Seaford Town game. Yeah, on, definitely. Yeah, let's go. I'm yeah, we can go and say... I'll, stand I'll be there. I'll come. Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll, do we'll, it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah, we'll be in the David Jordan stand. Um, that's the one. <laughs> well, fair enough. I saw David Jordan today, so yes, this randomly. Is this might as well just be a Seaford podcast. This yeah. is so David funny. Jordan. Who's David Jordan? He he's a local estate Seaford? agent, and he's he sponsors <laughs> the stand. Oh my god, I love yeah. this so much. He's, he's big lad. He's big. Yeah, he's big yeah. time. He's yeah. big time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a United supporter, unfortunately. But there we go. Um, oh, no. Anyway, let's um, let's segue away from Seaford a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, l'apprentissage des longues me intéresse beaucoup. Ah, oh, Giles, c'est très bien. Je pense que tu parles le français très très bien. That was that was very good. Our French is coming along, isn't it? I think yours is sounding better <laughs> than mine. But I'm really enjoying. Uh, my activities in 50 French coffee breaks. Me too. We've got, we've been sent the books and um, we said before, didn't we, life is very busy. Like it's difficult to find time to do things. But what's been, what's great about these is they break it up into really bite-sized little exercises, which actually it's just the regularity and the shortness of it helps you pick it up a lot quicker. Yeah, there are loads of exercises in here, little games and activities that you can do to practice your language skills. Plus some lovely pictures as well of... French people. Yes. <laughs> for 15 years, Coffee Break Languages has helped make it possible for millions of people to learn a language in a way that fits into their everyday life, whether that's while waiting at the airport, sitting on a train, or on their coffee break. Yes, indeed. I've been doing it, actually, uh, while um, feeding my newborn baby. Ah. So, yeah, exactly. His French isn't coming along quite as well, to be honest. No, but um, he could be but... bilingual by the time he's... A lot older. He could be. 
He could be, exactly. Imagine that. That would be great. Um, yeah, as we said, it's it's broken down into really bite-sized chunks. There's 5, 10, 15 minutes uh, varied and lively activities. There's anagrams, there's idiom challenges, recipes and quotations, all sorts of things going on. And it's created for high beginner to intermediate adult and young adult learners. So wherever you are, there's something for you. Uh, designed to keep you motivated while building your skills in key areas, Just those key areas include reading comprehension writing skills grammar confidence translation abilities vocabulary expansion and most importantly cultural awareness absolutely absolutely uh, or as the french would say absolument I am. I'm nailing this. Uh, by practicing your new language in a fun and relaxed way in the time that you have, so it's personal to you, then you'll stay on track and achieve your language learning aspirations. I think that's the important thing, Giles, isn't it? Doing it in your own time. Absolutely. 50 Coffee Breaks makes that easy. So pick up your preferred brew. Uh, I just go with the standard tea, to be honest, but you might you might want something French. Oh, actually, I haven't said that. When I stayed in uh, during the Fringe, my friends in Edinburgh, they have a French brew tea. Nice. It was really nice. So pick up your preferred brew uh, and make learning the most pleasant and productive part of your busy day. Yeah, enjoy your coffee break or tea break, in your case, Jim, accompanied by an expert teacher and start practicing your language skills in a flexible, fun and relaxed way. 50 Coffee Breaks features 50 varied and lively activities to keep you motivated and build your skills. Jim, you can make language learning the most pleasant and productive part of your day. I have. I have, mate. And it's not just French it comes in. There's various languages. They've got French, German, Spanish and Italian. So there you go. Plenty of options. Ciao, baby. <laughs> there you go. You don't even need it. <laughs> if you want to get hold of a copy of 50 Coffee Breaks, you can do that by visiting amazon.co.uk forward slash 50 coffee breaks to learn more about the series and pick up the language that's right for you. That's absolutely right. 50 coffee breaks. Turn your downtime into do time. So have you always been into performing and doing acting? Is that something you did from a young age? Uh, No, not really. Uh, I started out wanting pretty early on to be a film director. That's where oh, I, wanted, okay. I was wanting to be behind the camera. Started out making um, short films with my friends. I was like 10 years old. My granddad gives me his camera and at the weekends. I'm just constantly making things. All in Seaford. Uh, <laughs> down at the Salts and stuff like that. Like They're pretty much all just me in front of the camera yeah. being James Bond or <laughs> whatever film I'd seen. I was like, okay, we'll make that in Seaford. Yeah, David George um, is your supporting actor. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's bankrolling uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the financier. Um, and it took me quite a long time to realise that I was just making things to and writing things and always thinking of things just to put myself in them. Yeah. But I, was, I, I was incredibly resistant, I think, to even have the words right in my mouth that I want to be an actor. I, I, hmm. I don't know why. I, can't, I just haven't unpacked that yet. Um, and it was even something I struggled when I, when I first started and I was getting work and I would still sort of like be in taxis and stuff like that. And people would say, oh, what do you do? And you just go, oh, I'm an actor. In this kind of like disparaging tongue. Um, I was actually working with a, a, a guy called Michael Smiley who I was in the taxi while I did it once. And then afterwards he was like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Like just own it. Just, just say what you're doing and 
let them judge it if, if they want to. And I was like, a real big switch on. I was like, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actor, darling. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> yeah, that is... That, I, I wonder if that's a... I mean, that does come up on the podcast. I wonder if that's a creative thing, maybe, because we're all like... Our harshest critics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a standard thing, I think. And 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 we're always it's probably elements of comparison with other creatives and stuff. So of course, if you because I'm a comedian, so I same same sort of thing. Um, I either just say don't say it, or I say yeah. oh I do a bit of comedy or whatever. And then and then of course you always get the follow up question, which is well what have you in? Yeah, or oh. either tell us a joke, which I always never never do. Yeah. Um, or oh what are you working on? What have you done? What have I seen you in? That kind of thing. And that's horrible because even if you do have a back catalogue of decent work, you always feel like it's not enough. So you feel like you have to justify yeah, oh, it. It's so true. It's so, so true. You, my stock answer is do you watch a lot of porn? And then, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then uh, 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 He's like, well, <laughs> you asked. But it is, it's a horrible question because, like you say, you can be in anything. Like, I. Or the, I tell you what I always get as well. Right? Not so much anymore because Game of Thrones is finished. But you'd be telling them about your job and creating that. You know what you need to do? You need to get in Game of Thrones. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? Let me call my agent and get me in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, that's what I've been missing. I used to get, yeah. um, when I worked at the Mirror, there was a really lovely desk assistant there. And she said, when she found out I was a comedian, she went, What you want to do is you want to get on that mod the week. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. Hmm. Actually, that's where I've been going wrong. Yeah. yeah or or the, thing, the thing is now, I've been going like quite a while now, 10 years. And so the other one is like uh, Live at the Apollo. Oh, I'll get on Live at the Apollo. And, I, and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One day thinking, well, it'll never happen. But now I know people that started out with me that are on Live at the Apollo. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I actually, they've, they've taken it the actually advice. was doable. Jesus yeah. Christ. They've taken the advice. Yeah. You just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awful. Awful. Yeah. Yes, I'm really intrigued by the filmmaking stuff because it, um, it's the sort of thing that I'm kind of not making films but writing films, and I've always oh, been cool. into films. So, tell me about some of the project. I know you were sort of saying like, like James Bond and stuff. But was were they were they kind of action movies? What were you sort of doing? Yeah, they were primarily action orientated. I loved action cinema as a kid, like Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, or the like Hong Kong eighties action films. I would consume as much as anything and then effectively just beat up my friends in front of a camera and, <laughs> and film it um, but that, yeah I, I'm still like a huge defender of action cinema another thing that I feel like people need to defend like you say you're a filmmaker and everyone sort of goes oh so it's, it must be a film about the shadow self oh you're an, you're, you're an auteur <laughs> yeah you're an auteur oh yeah this yeah let's film something where you're running away from your drug addiction it's like yeah, yeah. just it's like, no, I, I like a balls-to-the-wall action flick um, and, like, big cinema and blockbuster stuff. So I was always trying to make that, really. Um, with, like, obviously no budget. And, and we did have a... One of my friends got a crash mat for some reason. For some... <laughs> but it was, like, he got it on eBay. So it's, like, this massive crash mat. And so we made a film. I'd see if I can find a link to send to you guys. And so we had one film we were all about 13 but we had a crash mat so we were literally just jumping off things that were <laughs> too high really with no training that was like jackass yeah it pretty much was it was it was pretty dangerous but yeah that was that was kind of the the route that i was going down i think i i completely agree about the action movie thing like i i just think they i agree they should be defended and i think there's always a place for them and i actually think i would probably 
Because you need to be in a certain mindset to sit down and watch an arty film or a foreign film. Mm. And they have their pl- 100% have their place, like, definitely. But, like, I'm a parent. So, like, most of the time, if I want to sit down and watch something, I'm just tired. So I'd, I'd rather mm. watch an, an action film, you know, uh, that's yeah. easy to follow. Or, I mean, we talk about... You won't believe this, but we talk about Hallmark movies quite a lot on this podcast. It comes up a <laughs> lot. Like, I can't Love remember it. how, but every week it will come up. Um, we've already pitched two or three Hallmark movies. <laughs> it's mainly Jim, to be fair. <laughs> it's it's not mainly I love that. I um, love that. But like, I think there's just a... I, I don't know. People's lives are busy. People have got a lot on. And I think actually the escapism of an action movie or a Hallmark movie and the mm. accessibility of it, I think, is actually is needed, especially at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like there's always a tier of... There's, there's a swathes them that are no good but if if action is handled correctly you can't help but be invested in it it's not just a car chase it's like no this has been thought out so methodically that yeah. it is a dance it's a rhythm it's got timing and um there's yeah, obviously with like the john wick franchise and stuff like that right. like it's suddenly again everyone's like oh my god this is what action can be like and it can be complete escapism but in an awe fueled sense not necessarily yeah. like heavy cgi and and things like that it can just be as simple as jackie chan with a, an iron doing like a two minute sequence <laughs> yeah. fighting someone with an ironing board and you're like yeah that's brilliant that's so good um, I, I got one okay one quick question then actually charles as i'm thinking it thinking we should ask everybody on this podcast this question maybe what's your you favorite know, you know we've been looking no no you know we're looking for a hook for a hook for the pod like and it's taken us 180 yeah i'm gonna say 200 episodes in <laughs> okay <laughs> George you're, the, George, you're the first person I'm going to ask this. Okay. I think it might be a recurring question, but we'll see. But it's on the theme of action movies. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Um, it's a good question, and it is a good hook question, because <laughs> it's actually something I'm quite passionate about. <laughs> because it seemed to become a meme that it was a Christmas movie. And there seems to be this thing where people are like, oh, you know, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. And it's like, okay, guys, let's just calm down a second. (laughs) It's set set at Christmas. There's Christmas music playing. It plays around Christmas on TV. I will watch it around Christmas. Is it a Christmas movie? How do you define a Christmas movie? Can you understand that I haven't got an answer here? Uh, (laughs) Politician's answer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the budget... I would argue, for the, for the reasons you've just said, and the fact that he literally says the line, ho, 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 during the movie, for me, yeah, true. those are enough elements to categorise it as a Christmas movie. So for me, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. And uh, do you know what? That's a hill that I'm willing to die on. Uh, I, I, I think so, too. I think Christmas movie... I'm going to stay at the bottom of that hill and <laughs> look at you guys on the hill and go... Teetering over the edge. I'm, I'm glad you've got, like, you haven't fought... I'm just sitting on the fence. I'm like... Enjoy your hill, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Great hill, guys. <laughs> well, I guess the same argument could be put forward for, say, Gremlins as well, because that's... Now, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Okay. Because yeah. it's yeah. a gift. Surely. I suppose it's a Christmas gift that he gives, isn't it? So, yeah... But it's like, this is the question, how many elements do you need to, yeah, before well, it gets categorised as a Christmas movie? Yeah, I don't know. I we'll suppose, have to yeah. draw up a checklist. Maybe. Yeah, I bet there is. I bet yeah. there's, someone's done a spreadsheet. Of course somewhere. they have. <laughs> oh, my God. So another thing on this podcast, George, uh, uh, George, is that I end up with about 400 uh, t- uh, tabs open because of things you chatted about. And I'm now going to, for the first time ever, 
I can't ever think Google is Die Hard Christmas movie and see if anyone's done this. Well, I'm going to go back to the action thing because I, I Sorry, totally okay. agree with you. I think it's a it's an unsung kind of genre in a way. Mm. And uh, now I don't know if you remember, George, that there were some video shops in Seaford back in the day, and I worked in one of them, Which uh, one? the one in Broad Street, Black Cat Video. Okay. Um, so that was back in 97, uh, which was a great year for cinema. But the guy that owned it, he loved action movies. So it was always, he'd always have loads of copies of John Claude Van Damme stuff. Did he think that was a Christmas movie? So, <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> but that year, Con Air came out, and I think Face oh. Off as well. Two of the, probably wow. two of the greatest action movies of all time, <laughs> wow. I would argue. Um, but and I remember watching those movies and just being totally blown away by them because not only have you got that escapism, which we, you know, I think you, what you're saying about Jim was that you know a pure escapism with action movies, yeah. but they were they had brilliant actors in them as well. Um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The whole the whole I mean, even with with those ones specifically, the the elevator pitch for those is so good. It's it's like yeah, a load of prisoners on a plane and they're going to take over or whatever. I don't know how you would elevate a pitch face off, but the the core idea is so good that you can hang all the action off of it, which yeah. I think is important. It's simple, it's digestible. Audiences get it. You don't need to over explain what's going on to the next scene. It's it's purely. I mean, I, you'll probably know this, Joe. Like, if you're writing films and stuff like that, it's it's all about the obstacles. No matter if you're writing the art house film or the or the action film, it's about how the characters are defeating the obstacles put in front of them and in an action film it just so happens to be physical obstacles the whole way um and how interesting can you make those obstacles and are they going to fail and are they going to fail again and um yeah there's a whole philosophy behind them that i i find so interesting that seems to be yeah still shunned is probably the wrong word but at least like appreciated by a lot of people but not necessarily thought about necessarily that in depth so, yeah, and, and I'd also, sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to interject, but I was also going to say, actually, you know, kudos to the writers of those things because it's not easy to write action. It really isn't. Uh, like, not that I've written no, a lot of action, but you know, it is really hard to write good action sequences. Yeah, it's hard. It's also hard to read them. Like when you get mm. a, like a script through, the action sequence is always the hardest one to. Yeah. Imagine and to write because you, again, you're as the writer, you're trying to get it across in as few words as possible. But if you've got this intricate sequence in your head laid out, it's like, how do you actually get that onto the page? And when you're reading scripts, you're just kind of skimming most of the time to try and find the dialogue. And there's a whole, yeah, it's a whole skill set itself. So is that because it's really interesting you can talk about this? And I, and I guess like that journey into acting maybe is slightly different to more actors. Maybe I'm wondering if people act first and then direct, or, or that might be a very naive way of me looking at it. But does that mean that there is more sort of writing and directing in your future? Do you think? I hope so. I did. It's this. It's only probably the past three years that I've stopped writing and directing films in some capacity. I did a um, a TV pilot a couple of years ago called Star Dogs. It's on. It's on YouTube now. It's on Dust on YouTube. Um, and I kind of poured everything I had into that, and it never really took off. It never went anywhere. And mm. I, I definitely have a kind of oh, that's what I've got to offer. Like, I've offered everything that I've got as a creative. Like, that's the purest version of something yeah. I can create. And if no one's nibbling on that, part of, there's something in my brain going, well, what, what, else, have you, what else have you got? Yeah. I know it's a nonsense voice, but I'm figuring that out still, I think. 
I, th- well, I, but I think that's a very natural voice, and I think that is something that a lot of people probably struggle with. And it's really hard when you're a creative and or freelancer and sort of your job is your hobby, your hobby is your job, your love is your job, and, and it's all mm-hmm. fused together. And that, and that is really hard to unpick sometimes. It's like, are you creating for other people or are you creating for yourself? And like that is, and that's not me saying like, oh, I've, I've worked it out. I really haven't. Like it's really, yeah. really tough. It's a big question. Yeah. Do you find that balance sort of difficult? Yeah, definitely. And the more, because I kind of shifted, after that I shifted into like, I know it will be easier. I'll write a novel. Um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Just because, again, because I can have total control over that. I can control everything within that and I yeah. don't need to rely on anything else. Um, and during that process, and which I'm still in, I have noticed that it is, it is for. I am writing for me, and a lot of the things that I like follow, I then so, suddenly go. Oh, that's I'm actually just exploring a part of myself or like a part of my personality there. Yeah. And then I get to the end of that, I'm like, okay, oh, cool, cool. I don't need to put that out there because I've figured that out. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tricky balance, but I think they would they would say like, you want to write the thing that you want to see. So you are writing for you, but in the understanding that there are people out there with similar tastes and uh, set, yeah, similar tastes to you that would, would watch the thing that you want to put out there. Um, and I think that's probably a good rule to think about is to just go, make it purely me. And guess what? There's a 10 million versions of me out there that like the same stuff that I like. Yeah. Well, because odds, pure ratio, basic odds, of course there will be. Like, if you like it, of course, there will be other people that will. Like, if, if, if you like something that no one else out of the 8.8, whatever billion people on the planet like, then you're a fucking unique <laughs> snowflake. Yeah. How have yeah, you done that? You are a snowflake, yeah. How have yeah, you done that? Completely. You're the most important person on the planet, probably. And let's face it, yeah. guys, I don't want to, you know, burst bubbles. None of us are. So... Hold on, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Well, George has left the meeting. That's what my mum says. <laughs> 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 well, funny enough, I did watch. I saw Jordan Peele talking the other day on a thing, and he said basically, like his <clears> main <throat> tip to new screenwriters and filmmakers is make the film that you want to see, um, which I think is so true, isn't it? And but it's like you say, it's something that we forget because we're off to thinking about the end game of it as opposed to the bit in between, which is the actual construction of it. Um, and I'm I'm the same when I write a book or you know whatever it is. I, I'm always thinking about seeing it as the finished article and not actually the the best bit, which is creating it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because it, it, it's again, you have to have a sense of it, but it can. It's like everything in life, right? You have to have the balance of it. If you if you focus too much on that end thing, you're never even going to get there. But yeah. it's also quite valuable to be able to visualize if you're writing a book or something like that to see it on the shelf and what does the cover look like, etc. Um, yeah, all about balance. That's really weird. So I've got your Wikipedia page open, which we do for like most guests and stuff. Oh, I, sw- I swear, I swear it said when we started the podcast, born in Brighton, but it now says born in Eastbourne. So I don't know if someone's like listening into this called what? Like, live no. <laughs> Wait, I swear it that's spooky. Right. Hang on, hang Mr. on. Mr. Robot. <laughs> 
Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's on, on, the Goog- when on Google Home. On the Google, it says Brighton, then you go into Wikipedia, it says Eastbourne. Oh, my God, that really uh, freaked, I really freaked out for a second Goog- there. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that, That's like, a weird... <laughs> Google's listening in on us, like live update stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the future, guys. Would it, be, would it put it past them? No, I would put it past them. Oh, my God. Sorry. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Actually, would you, would you like a little quick little update on, on Die Hard? Because I've found this guy. Yes, let's oh see what's God, going on. These tags, sorry. Um, it's a guy called Stephen Fellows, who looks like he does a lot of... Film data and education. Here we go. And he's done an entire website, web post, with uh, unbelievable amounts of data. Stephenfellows.com. Stephenfollows.com, sorry. I'll put, put a, oh, in the show notes. And um, his conclusion, this is a massive page. There's graphs. There's pie charts. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, he's, he's really done his homework. His conclusion says, is the Hard of Christmas movie, the neatest summary I can provide is, it may or may not have been but it most certainly is now. <laughs> that can make it more vague. Yeah. So it wasn't, it now. but it is, it now. is now. But it wasn't. I mean, that is sitting on the fence, isn't it? Yeah. And listen, he's effectively, what we were just talking about there of like visualising the end goal. He's made something, that website, he's sat there for hours making that thing going, there's going to be other people out here that want to do this. Turns out, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he's got a hit. Finally. You're welcome, Stephen. <laughs> and he's, he's also simultaneously looking up at Jim and I and down at George at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. he's that's halfway it. up. Um, <laughs> so, so did. Were you into school? Like, was you know you said you weren't doing sort of much. You weren't necessarily into doing drama and stuff at earlier on in, in your life. The direction and stuff was more important. Was there other things mm. you were interested in at a young age, though? Were there other things that you kind of thought other than the filmmaking? Literally no, no. I, I decided really young, or was told really young, like you'd be a good director. I'd be playing with my action figures, and people would. I'd set up these elaborate scenes, uh, and people would kind of say, "You should be that thing." And you go, "Okay," and then you know, twenty years later, like you're that thing because I've listened to that advice. Um, I was I was into martial arts when I was uh, at school. I did kung fu for quite a long time. Um, just, yeah, no, it was film. It was film, film, film for me. And comic books as well, I suppose, and things like that. But it was purely in my own head, creative, introvert, extrovert kid. My mum mm. always tells me these stories about, like, she'd put on a birthday party for me, and I'd be in the corner playing with a toy. But, like, happy as Larry. Like, mm. I'm not, like, I'm, like, I'm good. I'm don't don't worry about me. Let kids go play. Yeah. <laughs> so four Mother, don't worry about me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it was a pretty one-track focus, which I think has been really beneficial to me. Because I remember being at school, at least I went to Seaford Head. Did you go to Seaford Head? Well, I, I, I didn't. I went to <sighs> Lewis, Lewis Priory. Oh, he's a smart one. Uh, well, no. <laughs> no, because I came away with... Uh, one GCSE. Um, <laughs> I went to see for primary, and then okay, um, good, yeah, yeah, good yeah. colours, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but didn't go to see for Ted. My my boys go to see for Ted, but yeah, we didn't. I didn't. It's it's yeah. um it's quite a good school now. Like, because now being a parent, I worry about these things. Like, mm. has it got yeah. good Ofsted? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the sort of thing that you kind of look at. Um, I'm not worried about it, but yeah. So I don't know what it's like when you were there. Um, it's it was, been it through lots brilliant. of transitions. 
Yeah, we were. I remember like the first year we were there, it went through that transition. It went into like special measures. And I remember yeah. all the teachers being like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> and all the kids just kind of be like, that's all right, we'll rally. We'll, we'll pretend to be. When there's someone in the room, we'll pretend to be good. Don't worry, we've, we've got your back. And there was very much like a community vibe. There was a real. Um, yeah, community, I suppose. It was a, mm. It's called a community college. And it felt that way from the teachers down to us. Like it was a. A, a good place to to nurture creative talents and, and stuff like that. Like nobody put bundles of pressure on me in any any different ways. Yeah, I loved it. It was a good good school. I feel like Giles, we might have to invoice the town council of Seaford after this podcast because of yeah. the uh, advertising we've done for them. Um, it's a good idea. Yeah, we might have to actually at some point. The fair. people of Seaford don't realise how many. Incredible people have been churned out. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, they don't care. They, they don't care, though. They don't they care. Don't They're care. funding <laughs> a die-hard a Christmas movie. That's all they care about. Yeah, that's all they want. That's all they want. Give us some, in, give us some insight. such good content. I'm, I'm literally going to ask our oh, guests next week the same question. Even if Love it. none of the conversation goes there whatsoever, I yeah. just think it needs to be asked. <laughs> Matt, open with it. Or close with it. Um, It's interesting you say about uh, you were sort of encouraged to do this kind of stuff and you were told, like, you're good at this, you're good at this. Because we had a guest on recently who said the same thing. Like, isn't it amazing, like, when you're a child or, or a young person and you're validated in some way of one thing, like, the impact that can have and how huge that is from a significant older person, a men- mentor mm. kind of person, whatever. Because if you'd have been told, like... Oh, you're you know you're amazing at martial arts or, or anything else. Do you think maybe you'd have gone down those routes? Do you think there's something in the kind of the encouragement you had at that time that sort of allowed you to explore? Yeah, I really do. I really do. I I think I was a particularly sponge-like child. <laughs> what an image! Um, I, I listened to the adults like. My grandma and my mum are like massive influences on me. And if they said something, I was like, cool, yeah, that's, let's, let's do that. That's, that seems right. I mean, one of the things my grandma used to say about like growing up, like, don't rush to get older because it's pretty shit up there. Like, stay a child as long as you can. And again, I'm on like eight years old going, okay, yeah, noted. I'll take that down. Cool, let's, <laughs> my uh, notebook. <laughs> yeah, let's put that. I, I'm just making myself sound like Stewie Griffin from Family Guy <laughs> as a child. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and so I took that on. I, I absolutely listened to that, and that encouragement. You're right; is, is is so important to just get the the nod of approval from from your elders, from from mental figures. I think, um, and like I suppose you've got to be careful in what avenues you place that as an adult onto a child. But yeah, it absolutely informed everything I've done since. I think. Yeah, there's definitely a responsibility. I think as an adult that to. to I'm a parent now and like you are I am constantly careful of what I'm saying to my daughter and she's only three but it's still like formative years and stuff so yeah definitely I imagine I imagine that's quite stressful for you guys as well like to kind of know that everything you're saying is impacting this child in some way I'm constantly thinking like molding minds molding Mm. minds that sounds like a college in itself doesn't it Um, (laughs) molding minds Um, I'm constantly like thinking is this a teachable moment is this a teachable moment and I'll try and say something to her and she'll just like no daddy and leave and I think okay well that wasn't a teachable moment but you know but I mean Giles's boys are a bit older than my daughter so I guess you've probably I don't know dealt with that more 
Yeah, I mean, every day, pretty much. Yeah, and I, but I think it's one thing me and my wife are always, like, the encouragement thing has always been big on us. I think neither of us were particularly encouraged ourselves. So right. I think it's now made us probably we're probably too encouraging but uh i don't think you'd be too encouraging <laughs> no, you i think can't. but it's, i think it's important for them to kind of play out their lives in the way they want them to you know and if they're into something whether it's my my eldest is massively into video games so Love it. that's fine me too. that's what he yeah and that's his thing that's his thing like you know there's no more than me trying to force him to come and watch football with me or something you know um mm. that's not his thing so allow him to have that space and 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 really experiment and learn and go you know with that thing that he loves so yeah that's always yeah. Been important to us um with that just on, on the video games things well that if i could think of the other thing that i was into when i was younger it was video games like that was my other outlet um and i won't hear a bad word said about them i think it's an amazing amazing thing uh and uh, do you, what games is he playing? Do you well, know so he, he loves. Um, so he's got he's got he's got an Xbox uh, and a Switch, and we've still got a 360, which he occasionally plays on, and the PC. So he's, right, he's right. like literally got everything. Wow! It's, so he's, he's uh, ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. He loves he loves sandbox games like Minecraft, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. and for, he likes playing Fortnite as mm-hmm. most kids do. Um, but he really loves things like he's he's really into like Jurassic World. So he's got Jurassic World Evolution. So he likes making the Amazing. park and stuff. Amazing. And he loves those kind of games where he can really kind of like say that more creative side of stuff. Um, he's not so much into sort of shoot ups and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I, I I agree with you. I think there's a there's a stigma attached to video games still that mm. is really unwarranted. I think. For him, it's a way of, you know, because obviously people think of, like, kids in a dark room, in, in you know. But actually, it's his chance to actually hang out with his mates, whether it's online or in yeah. together. There's that, that community. And, you know, this huge thing. And obviously, the offside as well, you've got, like, YouTube and stuff. So there's so much content that they're into for via kind of social media. And he learns those stuff. I mean, like, Minecraft is, like, my littlest has got quite severe dyslexia. So, like, academia is hard for him. But he can go on Minecraft and he can make like mm-hmm. a, I don't know, like a Viking ship he made the other day and can wow. feel really good about himself, about, you know, wow. through doing that thing. But he can't, you know, he finds reading and writing hard, but he can go and do that. So I think there is something very, I'm very positive about video games and the impact they have on young people. I don't think there's anything bad about them. Yeah, good. And that's, the, also the science is done. Do you know what I mean, they've done yeah. so many studies now. Exactly. And it's like, the, the science is out. Like, stop arguing the point. We, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's a net hole. Again, like anything, yeah. if you're doing it too much, it's probably going to fall off. Of course, off. yeah. <laughs> oh, what about you, yeah, George? What, about, what, about games, you? Yeah. Yeah, what games were you into? Or, uh, or still? When I, when I was younger, there, there was a thing when I, on PS2 days, every, every movie that came out had a, like a spin-off yeah. video yeah. game. Yeah. And they were always trash. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it. Because, again, I'd, I'd be watching the film and be thinking, oh, my God, the game for this would be so good. And then I'd get the game. And no matter how bad it was, it was still me exploring that world. It was yeah. still me as the little character running around and yeah. doing the adventures in, in this different world. Can I, sorry, um, George, I didn't interrupt you. Can I make a, just a little caveat? Yes. GoldenEye is one of the exceptions because that is a fantastic game. Goldeneye is... Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to yeah, put that absolute, out there. It, it is golden standard. <laughs> and they're, cool. re-release, yeah. they're re-releasing it very soon for I know, the Switch. I know. So, wow. yeah. We'll, anyway, we'll, sorry, sure I didn't we'll interrupt you, but I remember thinking that is a great... 
that spin is, off there game. are exceptions there are yeah. exceptions um but they don't make them so much anymore probably because they were all trash but <laughs> yeah a, a lot of the stuff i was playing were story-based games things that were closer to films um even like the Uncharted series on PlayStation. Remember when the, the first Uncharted game came mm. out? I was probably 16, I think. Um, I just loved it. I was like, oh my god, this is this is revolutionary. And then to, and then, again, and then you grow up with the franchises as well. The next yeah. one comes out, and they they grow and they, and they expand, and you see the storytelling in them just mature because the people that are writing them mature. And The Last of Us, all these sort of things that are just The Last of Us Part Two. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or, or played. No, I've seen that. It is singularly the most powerful story that's ever been told in video games, and the through the game through the medium of video games is the only way they could tell this particular story. I won't give any too many spoilers away, but effectively, your something awful happens, and you demonise this character, and then the game kind of forces you to play as that character later on. And you start off going, oh, I don't want to be playing this thing. And then slowly and slowly, this empathy comes out and this understanding of this character comes out that I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's mind-blowing how they do a 180 in your brain. By the end of the game, you're like, oh, my God, no, I, I, I love everyone in this. This <laughs> oh can't, this can't <laughs> yeah. be happening. And it, I, I genuinely think that can only happen in the medium of video games, being able to play as that character to yeah. to interact with people as that character that in films and, and TV you can't have that kind of experience um, so stuff like that just gets me gets me going still yeah that's amazing Absolutely. I've not heard of that but like, I'm genuinely interested to have a look at that and maybe like I say try and play it it sounds like it would take quite a, long, well, quite a lot of there, minutes invested there's um you can on YouTube there's I think they call them let's plays or people people will just play the game and just you can just watch it like a movie and I'm sure yeah. they've condensed it down but yeah, yeah. That's amazing, and like you know, for, for like uh, you know, people that when I grew up, video games were very basic platform and games and mm. stuff like that. The intricacy, you know, of what you've just described. What was it? What was Spectrum? Was it? I didn't have a Spectrum. No, <laughs> um, I had um, It was Atari's, you know, with the uh, yeah, to program it. How yeah. do you think I pong. am, Giles? <laughs> You're playing Pong, were you? <laughs> pong. <laughs> yeah, my computer took up the whole room in my house. Um, yeah. Sorry, man. I, didn't I remember. It's funny, funny you're talking about uh, movies. I remember the. Oh, this is really lame. The Lion King had a platform <laughs> on Mega Drive. Yeah. I, think. Fucking, I fucking what? really liked it. It was really. What good. did you have to do in that then? Just you go across the desert, just, like jump along stuff. And, like, just, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It was it, good. The, color, the colors were great in that. I remember the that. Yeah. Yeah. Good colors. Yeah. Well, I remember. I remember having. The colors were nice. Some funny bits. <laughs> I remember having <laughs> Robocop on the Game Boy, which was... Um, wow. The game was quite... Obviously, very basic, it was on the Game Boy. But the music was amazing, because they kind of electrified... The, you know, the music from the film, they kind of yeah. made it electronic and stuff. Version. Ah, and it was Yeah, and, but it was amazing and really haunting. You can find it, I think, on... Um, Spotify, I think someone's released I it. I bet someone's done like a, yeah. a updated techno remix. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a garage, yeah. But or chill, I chill be version. To it. it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder if like nostalgia plays a part in that as well. Because I'm sure like at the time, you're actually taking like everything. You know, we've never done a deep dive video games. It's actually really interesting. But um, well, you never, you, the, um, oh, here we go. The, the sort of cultural influences as well around stuff. I bought, I bought a Switch. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, so we, play, need, we need to we've probably play need to Zelda invoice, basically. We need to invoice so Nintendo good. at the end of this as well for uh, <laughs> yeah. um, no but like because I'm thinking about like because the other day on I've got an Xbox One and you can download retro old games and I downloaded Sonic, one of the Sonic games or something. And mm. I was like really excited to play it. And I played it. And it was so basic. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't how I remember it. And, mm-hmm. and because there's so many other factors, like culturally, it was, a, it was advanced for video games at the time. Like, you know, there wasn't, the consoles were more basic. Like, I was a child. Like, there's just so many elements that go into it. Um, but as I don't know, I'm just thinking about video games. I've, part, of me, part of me is thinking, shall I re-download Lion King and see what that's like? <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to hold up. No. It's never going to hold Do you know what what? That the, on, colours, the colours just aren't as good. It's no. <laughs> it's not 4K. Um, I swear yeah. it's Mega Drive. I think Mega Drive is the okay, first Mega console Drive. we heard. Yeah. Yeah, Mega Drive was a cool console. That was a I big moment al- for us. Altered, yeah, I got, remember having Altered Beast. And uh, oh, streets, wow. of, streets of Rage, Streets, streets of Rage, streets of rage. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, good. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And we had a, there was an ice hockey game. Which I think it was called, just called NHL. Like, oh yeah, yeah. EA I remember Sports. having that. And my brother and I used to love playing that, even though we had never a clue about the rules. Every time it went yeah. icing, we didn't have a clue what icing was. We were like, oh shit, icing. And, he, and then you just like <laughs> press the button. Like, and apparently press that was ice. icing. Um, yeah. And you could knock people out if you hit the puck hard enough at their heads. And, yeah, did um, a little star kind of appear on the... Like, you know, like in a yeah. kind of Batman way, like a kind of God, star, I if I like, bang, that. crash. I wonder if I can download that. But again, I... We've, like... we've just started a new podcast right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Retro Games Cast. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck, that'd be, that's, a good, that's a good idea for a podcast. I can't really remember sort of how we got onto this or what my point was about the nostalgia. But, but I, guess, I guess it's... It is nice exploring that. I think exploring those moments. No, I, I kind of I understand what you mean. That it, it, some things are better remembered than explored. Mm, yeah. And it, yeah, I suppose it, in it's a quite a strange psychological trick that your brain plays on you. I remember I had the same thing with Metal Gear, and if you heard Metal, Metal Gear Solid, Solid yeah. franchise, um, yeah. which are still probably my favourite games. But the I remember getting the first one when I was younger, and again, being like, this is the clearest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God, the, the detail on this... The graphics. On Snake's face, I know. <laughs> and then, yeah, 20 years later, you go to play it again, like, here we go, let's go. And then, literally, he's got, like, two pixels for eyes. And, like, <laughs> yeah. it still holds up as a game, but the the memory of it is so much more vivid and clear mm. than the actual experience, which, yeah, is a strange kind of psychological trick yeah. that we play on ourselves i uh I went, so i went to university my first year at university was 2003 so the year before 2002 i was like visiting unis to like see them i went to i want to say farnham was there one in farnham or somewhere like yeah, that maybe there farnham. is yeah yeah farnham university to do like media studies whatever and yeah, I yeah they in, do they've got a very good animation department yeah anyway i walked into like the um the like common room and they were like you know first or second years like playing fifa and stuff i remember looking up at the screen and thinking oh there's a game on today Oh, no, wait, it's like Tuesday, 10 a.m. Oh, my God, they're playing a video game. Oh, my God, it looks just like a real... I thought it was a real match. It looks just like a real match. And looking back, that would have been like FIFA 2002, which I bet oh that <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get a fucking glimpse of what that is. No. Like, What's this green screen? Yeah, but at the time, I thought it looked like a real game. And I'd watched football before on TV, lots of it. So that's just... I mean, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Did you I put yourself? We you could say you booked yourself an optician's appointment. Quite <laughs> yeah, that's more reflective of you, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was rejected from the university for being a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 so, tell us about those first sort of roles that you took. 
George, and and were they were you doing mainly screen work to start with? Or were you doing theatre as well? Or yeah, yeah, I've never done never done theatre. Um, again, because I suppose where I grew up, like we had stuff in Brighton and in Eastbourne and mm. stuff, but I wasn't exposed to a lot of theatre growing up, so it never kind of resonated with me. It's like, oh, that's that'd be interesting to do. Uh, but for a lot of the contacts that I made from making films as a kid through Brighton and stuff, as I got older and eventually decided, you know what, I'm going to try acting. I had a kind of like base level of contacts in the Brighton scene, the up and coming scene. And so I sent some emails out saying, look, I'm thinking of like maybe doing some acting. If you've got anything coming up, like let me know. Um, and a good friend of mine, Jamie Patterson, who's like a really prolific director now, he's like, he was doing his third feature film for 10 grand or something. And he got me a part in that. Um, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. It was like small part here, little part there. Go. I was literally doing anything I could because I never trained. I never like went to acting school or anything. It was like, right, I'm going to learn on the job. I'm just going to get on all the casting websites. If there's a music video filming in Timbuktu, I'm going. Mm-hmm. I probably lost money for the first four years just by, by yeah, the process of going to places mm-hmm. and having to stay in a hotel because they're not paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and built up like a, a solid body of like work I suppose but my trick was I knew how to edit and at that time because I was doing I was doing filmmaking on the side I was my best mate was in a band that doing really well so I was following them around doing videos for them um and I was a good editor at the time I could put a cool little like reel together as that's what I did with all the work that I'd done I'd cut together maybe like a minute minute and a half montage of me in front of the screen full of things that like I'm barely in but like I could edit in such a way it was like this kid's been working for years (laughs) (laughs) and it did it kind of got me in into one door to finally get an agent and then it got passed on to somebody else to get me another agent and it's just been this kind of slow process and gradually building up from there the kind of organic in that sense yeah, that's interesting though because you're like Mm. obviously using your skills then it's a very proactive way of thinking yeah, I'm not sure that I, I thought, like, like, ever thought it through. It just so happened to coincide that those two skill sets crossed at that time to to work. And it was kind of before many people knew how to edit anything. Do you know what I mean? I was using Final Cut Pro. I've been to college to do film studies and stuff like that. So I, I knew how to use the system. And this was before, I don't know, DaVinci Resolve, like an editing software that a lot of people could have for free now. Yeah. Um, so I had that edge, and it's like, again, if you can see an edge that you've got, you use it, see, see what you can do. Um, I, I'm not sure it would necessarily work now as a ploy, but uh, uh, certainly at that time it was, it, it helped for sure. Well, because everyone can edit now? Yeah, I think so. Everyone can edit. Everyone's been making, again, when I was making films, it was like the, I was the one kid in our town that was the filmmaker in, in my year. <laughs> Uh, and now I think everybody everybody wants to be all the kids want to be YouTubers or vloggers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So they they all have that skill set. Um, that it, it's very very difficult now to kind of peak above that yeah. that level and stand out. Where my stuff was rudimentary, but I was one of a thousand people doing it, so it was it was easier to be seen. Yeah, yeah it's funny, isn't it? Because obviously, yeah, like you say, YouTube's obviously flourished in those years and, and TikTok now as well. And mm. yeah, we've all got to be a little bit more savvy with these things. Even, you know, yeah. even Jim. 
Even Jim. Even Jim. Who's actually doing very well on TikTok, I have to say, so I can't. Is it Jim? The little TikTok star? Well, you know, you didn't think I had it in me, did you? Good man. I don't think you did, did you? I didn't either, no. I mean, it's true, isn't it? I I like the idea, though, of finding your edge, but I do think um, a lot of people don't know what their edge is. And I think probably everyone has one. I think everyone's got something, but it's Definitely. sometimes hard to like work out what yours is and then maybe have the confidence to use it somehow or follow it or something. So mm. it's, it's, it's amazing that you sort of found yours at such a young age. But I, 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 there are probably people listening to this thinking, fuck, like, what's my edge? How do I find it? Mm. Yeah. And, it, and that, again, there was something that I, I think I was talking about earlier and then I got sidetracked by myself <laughs> that... Probably me, probably me, sorry. <laughs> At school, I remember people around me or kids around me being like, when the GCSE options came up and stuff like that, it was like this massive thing for them because they were like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And the teachers and parents are piling this pressure onto these kids about, well, you need, are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Are you going to be a vet? What are you going to do? Really? You're like, I'm fucking 30, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me a fucking yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I knew what I wanted to do, I had no pressure. I was like, well, I know... I'll, I'll do business studies because I probably have to know how a budget works and I'll do this thing and I'll do PE because I like a bit of football. So, done. But everyone else feels this immense pressure and then as they get older, I can see that that pressure hasn't alleviated. They're in college and it's the same problem. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want to do with my life. And it's... even, Even I'm 31 now, some of my friends still don't necessarily know what they want to do but they found a groove. They found a way to navigate it and the question of what do I want to do might not necessarily be as important as just like trying shit out and mm. seeing where you go. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And rather than deciding, you just let it decide for you almost. Yeah. I think that's really well put. And I think that's so true. And it is true. I mean, I'm 38 and I'm <laughs> still not so much figuring things out because you're right. You get in a groove and there are things that I do that sort of work and stuff and, 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 and whatever, but, there's still an element of me that's like, ah, oh, should I should I concentrate on this? Should I concentrate on this? almost mm. like I've got a sort of bit, almost. This is going to sound really good, Tissy. I don't mean it to at all, but I like almost can do a bit too much, and actually would rather focus on one thing. You're too good, mate. Too good. I'm just too good, mate. I'm just yeah, too good at too many things. <laughs> I'm just too. I always said like I said I, I used this once in a job application. I said that I was the James Milner of comedy because I'm about a seven out of ten in everything. And I did not get the job, so I should not have done that. You didn't? Oh. No, I was terrible but, but, yeah, because people think of the personality of James Brown. This guy's so yeah, boring. It's going to be awful to walk around. Yeah, work yeah, around yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's... Um, yeah, as you get older, it is a lot harder, I think, to push whatever your niche is or whatever. But I like the idea of, like, maybe just throwing stuff out there, seeing what happens. Like, yeah, you've got you've got more responsibilities, more, more things to actually sort of, quote-unquote, adult with. But yeah. that doesn't mean you can't, like, chuck something out there and, and try. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, again, the, my mum is a... Prime example, my mum did a stand-up comedy course when she was, I think it was for her 50th birthday. Amazing. She, just on a whim. Amazing. Just, just was like, 
I tell you what, well, she was running her own business, but and she had to do some talks for like a, a women's in business event, and she was absolutely shitting it. Yeah. And she was like, right, how can I defeat that fear? And her answer was, I'll do the worst possible version of speaking in front of people and try and make them laugh. I was like, Mum, that's nuts, but that's Christmas present covered, so sure. Uh, and then she went, she went and did it. She went and did this little week-long course and then did a show at the end of it and smashed it and had an amazing time. And again, at 50 years old, to do that, to go, I'm just going to go out there and just try this new thing. I was like, that is fucking awesome. That's a real, like, something that we should all take I think like yeah. you can try new things at any age yeah. maybe not all things but someone else <laughs> yeah, can unpack yeah. that I thought you were going to say tried it smashed it and now she's on a three week tour of uh, France or something. <laughs> yeah. she's already on she's live, with the, she's on live with the Apollo yeah. next week <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake and not the week um, yeah she's done not the week um, that's really cool I, I actually it's funny to say that I um I met my wife on a stand-up comedy course because that's one of the first things that I did when oh, I started wow. out with comedy. And yeah, we, we met on the same ten years ago on a, on a comedy course as well. So uh, I would recommend them to co- courses to anyone. Like as you say, even if it's really? someone that's just did like trying to yeah improve your public speaking or confidence or whatever, yeah. they're, they're really really worth doing. I, there was about a dozen people on our course and. It's longer, it's like a three month kind of thing. Um, and I think mm. I'm the only one that's still doing stand-up. I think off uh, everyone, but other people were doing it for yeah same reasons as your mum, like public speaking yeah. or one person in their job wanted to sort of be more confident in front of people. And what one one guy just been bought it for his birthday by his wife, like wasn't that fast, but had a good time. Like it was just yeah, my wife as an actor still is, but was trying to like improve on comedy acting stuff, so wanted to use it yeah. for that. So. Yeah, that's a really nice example that there are things out there you can try and do. I mean, you, I mean, you might hate it. You might, you might get there and think, oh, fuck, what? but like that's okay to you know put yourself out. You'll there probably and try. get something out of it though, because I think sometimes it's good to do stuff that you don't like. You know, in regards yeah. to like you can say, oh, okay, I don't want to do that then. Um, mm. You know, I, I did. I remember doing. I got made redundant after our first child was born, and I was like, I, do you know, I I've always been into films. I thought. Oh, I'll go and do some work experience at a, like a post-production company or something. And I, I managed to wangle one at Pinewood Studio. So I went up there for two weeks. And um, the actual work was exciting, but the environment of working in a, in a studio that's like pumping stuff out, and they, they weren't particularly interesting shows that they were working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I remember thinking, like, this is really full-on, and like, none of the people there had families or anything. They were all kind of single people. Yeah. And I thought, do you know what, this is... This isn't for me, actually. This isn't for me. And it was a really good learning curve. I enjoyed the work experience, but I thought, actually, that's taught me quite a lot. And I've actually grown from this experience in that that's actually now something I don't want to do. And there's, yeah, there's something... Yeah, put that to bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There was an itch there that I wanted to scratch. And, it was... and so there's something good, I think, about trying stuff out sometimes that don't necessarily go on to do. Yeah, well, 100%. And that could even be more valuable, isn't it? Because yeah. the more things you're trying and not liking, you're narrowing down the focus. Mm. And eventually one day it's like, I hate this the least, so I'll do this. <laughs> yeah. This will be yeah. fine. <laughs> That's a very way of saying it. Yeah, I hate yeah. this the least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to use that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about wedding season because um, I've just finished it. James still Started watching it. I'm still working my way through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because we had Omar Good on lads. a few weeks back. Um, yeah, it looked like it must have been really fun to make. Oh, man, it was it was mad. It was one of those ones that you, when the phone call comes in, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they really want you. They really like you for you. Like, what, really? <laughs> Disney? Wow. Yeah. 
And it just didn't disappoint from that from that phone call onwards. It was the the actual cast of people that they put Omar and and Gav, the main guy, Rosa, yeah. Cali, all of all of these amazing people we'd, we'd never met before, and immediately like it was it, it's a cliche. So oh, we feel like we know each other forever, but we literally did. And I, I went for a drink with them all on Wednesday. We had like a little catch up drink, and that's quite rare to happen. You you become very close with people mm. on on a set. And oh we, yeah, we'll see you next month. And yeah. then it's like no, it never it never stays. Yeah. Uh, but this does feel like a group of people that will stay together just because the the chemistry is so good. It's such an interesting mix of people. And I think I hope that that comes across in the show. But obviously, it's about mainly that core group of friends and Gav unraveling this thing. And I just played the posh knobhead in the background, <laughs> but um, it's it's really. I think it feels alive in that sense that that chemistry comes through the the screen. It was great. I was about yeah, to, we loved was, it. We loved was, it. Watching yeah, it. I was about to say you're really good in it, but I really I didn't want. I didn't, <laughs> really I didn't want that, that to come across as you're really good as a pop. <laughs> I meant you're really good at it. Listen, the amount of times where my agents will send me a breakdown for like um, he's got cheekbones, but he's an absolute dickhead. He's a scumbag thing and thing. You go, and you've thought of me. Yeah, thanks. Well, mate, you know the ones I get. My old agent, who is still kind of representing me, even though the agency's closed, put me up. A lot of comedians do it like. Like short films and like uh, adverts and yeah. stuff for money. The only the only uh, castings I get or auditions I get are for dad, thirty five to forty five. Tired, t- he's dad. tired. He yeah. hasn't shaved. <laughs> he hates his uh, life. <laughs> that's all I get. Yeah, uh, that's not great. It's not, not great. great. Not great. You have to have a thick skin in this business. Yeah, you do. You do. There's a lot of self reflection. I get one that's like um, not conventionally handsome, or like you, you might not think you might not think he's good looking at first glance, but he's got something about him. And you go, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and my wife always gets. Um, she's the kooky best friend. Uh, she's you know she's, she's, oh, got, she's got crazy That's hair it. and she's kooky, but she's yeah. really bubbly. It's like oh, for fuck's sake. But but to be fair, yeah, someone's got someone's got to play these roles. It's also it's actually really important to know your type as well. Yeah. It's like we all want the dream of being able to play any role and have this like varied career, and you can have that eventually if you make it into the big leagues. It's like right, what do I want to do? But until then, it's like no, what do people want you to do? And <laughs> yeah, you yeah. be good. You be the best at that. Yeah. So posh knobhead, I'm in. <laughs> like. That, oh my He's God. the go-to guy. That is, that is the second week <laughs> hey. in a row. Second week in a row where. Uh, a, a line has come up that should be the title of the episode. Posh Nobbit, I'm in. That's it. Um, but unfortunately, we don't do that. We just do names. We second week yeah. in a row that's happened that we should actually do a, a, a funny title. Um, See, you know evolving. what? This is quite a good question to possibly sort of sort of end on, actually. And you've brought it up yourself there. But, but instead of what do people want you to do, what do you want to do? That's big. That's a big. I appreciate that's a big. I've, I've asked you a really big, opening big. question there. Yeah, I should have an answer for it, really. What I want to do is work on really good projects with really good people for as long as I can. I've sort of, as I get older and I'm in the game longer, I am parking the idea. When you you first start out, it's like, right, this job's great, yeah, that's fun, but what can it do for my career? Off the back of that, can I get this? Are people going to see it? Is that going to help me build my career? And I think I'm at a stage now where, like, that's kind of parked and you kind of realise that you have no control over that stuff. So 
literally is this, is the script good are the people involved good and are they exciting try and get in that thing um so it's about that about just pursuing that i suppose it's just trying to get myself out there and working with really really good people as much as i can because I, I love it i i I can't. I, at this stage, I literally can't do anything else. I have no <laughs> qualifications or <laughs> talents in any other you area. You can edit. So it's like, I can edit. Yeah, it's true. I fucking hate editing, though. That's why I'm going <laughs> You can that's edit and do start. martial arts. Come on, mate. You've got loads. Yeah, that's, yeah the, the kung fu. I mean, there's something in that. The kung fu chopper. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll cut the, the video and cut your neck. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I do love it. And it's. It's the only thing I can do. It's the only thing I want to do. And I, about like what we were saying earlier about finding your thing, I, whenever I'm doubtful of like, is this the, what am I doing? Like, this isn't working. Blah, blah, blah. When I get on set and something's cooking and there's like a little magic going, I'm suddenly like the most alive, most alert, most awake version of myself that you just remember that and go, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I can do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose just trying to have that feeling as much as I can. Um, yeah, that's that that's answers. really that's a good answer, and that's really really nice. And just like quickly on sort of working with people because we've got we're quite a lot of performers come on, and, they, and a lot of them almost without asking sometimes end up talking about the sort of family on set or, or working with other people and how important that is. And it's interesting you you say the same thing. If like uh, this is a hypothetical, but if like a project came to you and like there was people on it that maybe you knew weren't great, would that stop you working on a project? Would, you, would it make you think twice? Like, do you know what? I don't want to spend my. Maybe it depends on the project, but like, you know, Jim Daly's been cast <laughs> <laughs> as tired dad number um, one. Yeah, tired dad number four. Mm. <laughs> number four. I, need to, I, I need to have an eye about this one. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. Tell him not to come up to me. <laughs> Yeah, it would depend what the person, what the people are bad for. Do you know what I mean? If they're yeah. actually bad people, like a fucking Weinstein or something, then yeah, 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 yeah. good. But if they have a reputation of being a bit difficult and stuff like that, I don't particularly care. I think I quite like awkward and uncomfortable people. I like, I don't mind people being rude to me if I know they're rude. It's like you can just, just go. Oh, yeah, they said that thing. It was, it was awful. It really hurt my feelings. But carry on. Um, and to be honest, like. I've always, again, because I never trained and I never thought about going into the industry, my preconceived judgments were that it was full of divas and, and mm. you know, people that were horrible and just really egotistical. And I can honestly say I've never worked with anybody that I wouldn't work with again. That wow. I've never worked with anybody that's come across as anything other than super gracious and giving. And I think that's a testament to the, maybe just the British scene itself or just actors in general seem to be really empathetic people and everyone's had to work really hard to get there yeah. and you can only stay there if you're a good person because yeah. the industry especially over here is so tight knit if, if you're a dickhead then yeah. you're out so don't be a dickhead wait till next project mate I mean odds are next project you're going to work with so many dickheads <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Or I'll be the dickhead. That's yeah. the thing I'm saying that. They're like, yeah, I'm not working with it No, that's really nice. And actually, you know what? I found the same thing in the comedy industry. I thought comedy would be full of absolute, absolute arseholes. And um, again, most people are kind of quite gracious and, and actually like happy they're there and hardworking and, and normal, actually, which is yeah. quite, quite strange. It's refreshing to know, isn't yeah. it? I think it's that thing if you turn up on time and you're just polite to people, then, like you say, you'll get 
offered more work probably um you know if you can do the job and you like i say turn up on time you're nice and respectful then you know you're yeah bound to get employed again and i think well i mean we've talked to lots of actors on the uh, on the pod and they've all been very nice and yeah. that's not just because of our warm personalities <laughs> It's, yeah, it's all you guys. Oh, sorry, there is a common theme, Giles. So maybe <laughs> give myself some credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> George, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Um, we've enjoyed this uh, conversation immensely. Yeah, we've we've gone That'd to all really different, fun. Really all fun. lots of different it's places. Been great. Yeah, we've yeah. been all over the place. I love it. That is, that's like a scatter shotgun of a podcast. Yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. pick a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, love like, the tabs love I've got it. open right now oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much you've been an absolute dream to talk to so I really appreciate it and, and good luck with uh, with everything in the future thank you boys we'll have to go and get a beer or something yeah see you for town see for town come on see for town FC George Webster is a bloody good bloke. He's <laughs> still, a bloody still good really. actor. He's a bloody good actor. Uh, and he's, yeah, top bloke uh, on the Blank Podcast, of course. Uh, really, really enjoyed chatting to him. We could have easily, I mean, we say this most weeks, but could have easily chatted to him for hours more. Very, very easy to be around. Uh, lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, some really nice stuff there about his journey and... Um, I mean, we went off in so many tangents, didn't we? Oh, we uh, talked about all sorts of stuff, video yeah. games. And oh, uh, lovely. He's obviously, yeah. he, he started out doing directing and making his own yeah. little movies, and that's something that he always wanted to do. And then he obviously got into the acting as well because he found himself in front of the camera a lot of the time. And, yeah, uh, yeah and, and loved George's sort of go, go for it attitude, you know, just having a go at stuff and, you know, really sort of embracing the creative process. Well, I, I think he's just got quite a sort of... Um infectious positive outlook anyway like i without trying to uh blow the magic too much in between a recording of the episodes and then doing top and tails you and i because we're two older blokes now um often need to go for a wee so we have a little wee break and um i find i sort of like leave my cabin certainly today feeling really good like feeling just almost like skipping down the garden being like what a nice hour that was chatting mm. to, to george and so i think he's got a very um yeah infectious positive outlook um and again we say it's most sweet like we'd love to meet up with our guests after the pod at some point but it'd be really really nice to meet him down at sea for town fc for a, for a pint because uh, it just seems like a lovely guy yeah it'd be nice to go and see sea for town play a game wouldn't it sea for town yeah i'm well up for that is it really I, I'm, it's an interesting pitch as well at sea for town so um in what way well it's slightly slanted oh okay it's so like slow oh, really bit mm. sunday league then yeah okay um because I keep, I keep saying, don't I? I keep promising to come down to Seaford, and, and and I'm never following up on it. So I need to actually follow through. I mean, I mean COVID was a good excuse for a couple of years, but uh, I need to actually follow through on that. Because the, the mm. time we, I did come down, and we did our promo photos. It was a really, really nice time. It's a lovely so little I, place to come and visit. It, it really is. It really is. Um, and you know, <laughs> I can't believe you got fired by the tourism board. Uh, I didn't get the job. Sorry. Um, the promo we've done for Seaford, I, I just think, cannot be underestimated. No. No, there, sh- there should be some sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, some, some sort of remission or, 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 or <laughs> compensation. Well, I'll work on that. No, there won't be. There won't no. be. Um, but I'm sure next week we'll talk about Seaford again. Maybe Chesham next week. Maybe I need to, I stop Yeah, we. Maybe. I mean, we do talk about Chesham and the, and the drivers that deliver stuff. <laughs> we do. 
What you do? That's reminding me. I need to text Alex. Um, but anyway, uh, I think we should wrap up this week's. We really week's should, episode. yeah. But um, yeah. what we should say as well is that, that um, George is in a brilliant show called Wedding Season. I've finished it. You're still watching it. And we had Omar Baroud on a few weeks back. And it's a really, honestly, it's a really great show. Go and yeah. check it out on Disney Plus, Wedding Season. I, I, I'm not going to give too much away, Jim, but I think. There was a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end. I reckon there might be. We didn't ask this to, of George, but I, there oh, could be yeah. another season in there. Well, I'm only a few episodes in, so don't. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, not giving too much give. away, I don't think. But yeah, interesting. Good. Well, I look forward to watching that uh, with the episodes I've got remaining. Mm. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, we'll put a link in the description, I think. And uh, yeah, do check it out because it's excellent. Really, really good. Uh, right, Charles, have a good week, mate. We're back next week with another guest, as per. As per, yeah. Um, take care of yourself. Uh, have a good week. And crucially, <laughs> don't get cancelled, mate. I'll try. <laughs> Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.